0: This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are recapping week 10 of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into the review of this weekend's games. We are recording this on Monday, November 15th, 2021, currently during Monday Night Football between the 49ers and the Rams, which we will review on Thursday's pod. But what is the biggest impression you had from this Thursday night slash Sunday of Week 10?
1: Uh, This week you had a little bit of everything. You had some good teams proving that they're still good teams. You had some really weird losses. We even had ourselves a tie. So another wild week in the NFL.
0: And here's the thing that flummoxes me about all of these ties is that every time we have a tie, we have a bunch of players saying, well, I didn't know that it ended at the first overtime and that you could get a tie. I just thought we would go on forever until somebody won. We do this once a freaking year. And you would think that some of them would understand that at some point, or I don't know, there'd be somebody on the sideline saying we need to win in the next 10 minutes. Unbelievable. Anyway. Yeah, that
1: is interesting, but I I agree with that thought. Like, I don't think there should be, I love the NCAA, the way they, they handle ties. I think the NFL would have much more fun and much more success with that.
0: Well, again, and I, I think it's been floated before, and I would advocate for this because you have professionals putting the ball on the 25 yard line doesn't make sense, especially because that's already in field goal range. But put it on the 40, put it on the 45, the 50, something like that, and make them just basically get into field goal range or go for the touchdown. I mean, you're basically giving them to them on a short field. You switch positions, and then you make people go for two. So I I really don't understand that one at all. So uh, we had another crazy week, as you kind of alluded to. The Buccaneers lost at Washington. Weird game. Dolphins beat up on the Ravens on Thursday Night Football, the game that we didn't exactly cover on Thursday's pod. The Lions and the Steelers tied, as we just mentioned. And the Cardinals got stopped at home without Kyler Murray and without New Hopkins again. What was your craziest moment of the weekend?
1: I think the craziest moment was the ending of the Steelers Lions game. I don't think anyone wanted to win that football game and they proved it, but the Steelers throwing that speed out to Fairmouth on the outside, just trying to get a couple more yards, trying to get on the right hash and trying to get out of bounds. He can't even get out of bounds, fumbles the football, the Lions recover it with seven seconds left. And that's, that's the ball game. That is, that's a tie. Like, I feel like that was the craziest moment of the weekend for me.
0: I don't even know what the craziest moment of the weekend was for me. Although a weird one was Mah- or, uh, Pat Mahomes rolling out right, buying time, shuffling against several defenders, then throwing a 38-yard bomb down the sideline into double coverage and getting it complete to a running back. That should have been picked off. Well, there were several plays he should have had picked off, but it's still Pat Mahomes, and we'll get to him here in a second. I just, again, for as many weird things that have happened in the last two weeks, we had another weekend where we had some weird upsets and some weird results just based on what you would think on paper. And it's really hard to predict the NFL currently. I don't even know if we're going to have clarity coming out of Thanksgiving in a way we normally would. It's going to be an up-and-down, topsy-turvy year, And we still have a bunch of teams vying for playoff positions that are like sub 500, which makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah. That'll be another fun year of football.
0: So other pieces for tonight, uh, you're probably watching this after the Monday night football game is already concluded because I don't think we're going to release the episode in time for it, but Odell Beckham jr. Is active and playing tonight in the game that is currently going on. We'll get to see his first action. But the big news over the weekend was Robert Woods tearing his ACL and being out for the season. So we talked about Beckham's perspective or prospects before the injury. Now, how do you see it coming out of that injury where theoretically you could see him taking at worst the number three role in that offense? And I think most people would anticipate him taking the number two role.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's higher than what we thought it was going to be, right? Such a freak injury that Robert Woods had and he did it and then finished practice. Like he didn't even realize that something was super wrong. But yeah, OBJ for him, he's got to like how it kind of lines up for him. We were talking about it off air. Like this is a really big year for OBJ. Um, it's kind of a prove it year. He's, I don't know if he's back in LA this next year. I'm sure he's trying to get paid again. But I guess we're going to see everything is there, but it takes time to learn an offense is especially one as complex as the LA Rams offense is, but we're going to see how much he has left in the tank. I don't really know if he's going to explode, but I think he'll have some pretty decent weeks. We'll have where, he will have multiple touchdowns.
0: I thought the Rams, they're very top heavy in their talent level, like they have some of the best players at their positions in several key spots. Uh, namely, they have Jalen Ramsey. They have Aaron Donald. They have, I mean, you, you want to talk about it. Uh, Darrell Henderson's pretty decent. Cooper Cupps right now might be the best uh, wide receiver in the NFL. You have Matthew Stafford who's played like a potential MVP this year and they have some decent players in their depth, but, I thought one of the areas that if the Rams were truly going to get tested, they've fortunately had good injury luck, save for Cam Akers and now Bobby Trees. But one of the things that to me always stood out about the Rams was if they get some significant injuries or a couple of their guys at the top end up missing some time, are they capable of withstanding it? They've made so much of their roster about uh, the top level guys, either through trading draft picks for them, or for that matter, signing them to larger contracts. And so they've committed so much of their roster space to these top level guys. If any of them gets hurt, are they going to be able to sustain a certain level of superiority or or talent level? So that was going to be the big question to me. And I guess signing Odell Beckham Jr. probably lessens some of the burden that you'd get from Bobby Trees getting hurt, but I don't know if it takes away the entire pain for how much he meant to the Rams offense normally and how often he was used in that offense. Another thing for us as Packer fans, and maybe a smaller note for a couple of people, especially given that it seems to be a mild uh, sprain, but Aaron Jones sprained his MCL yesterday in the game. Apparently, according to reporting, that's going to take him out for one to two weeks. But how does that affect your rankings of A.J. Dillon for the next couple of weeks while he's likely out?
1: Yeah, skyrockets him, right? Uh, he was gone and A.J. took over all of the carries. There wasn't really another person that's backfield that, that was back there. And the other running back that was the third back is also hurt and Kylan Hill. So for the next two weeks, you got to think AJ Dillon is going to get work in a lot of it. So you got to like that. He'll be in your lineup for sure. The next two weeks.
0: I know the Packers offense hasn't been nearly as consistent as it was last season, but I already thought that Dylan was taking over as the better of the two backs just from a standpoint of running the football more effectively and with power, and he wasn't really dropping off in the passing game in a way that other people would have thought he would. I think what Aaron Jones has really contributed so far this year has been through the passing game more than it has been running between the tackles. Now, part of that probably has to do With the line play, it hasn't been nearly as consistent this year as it was last year when they were one of the top units in the NFL. So maybe it's not necessarily on Aaron Jones so much as the offensive line hasn't been as good as it had been in years past. But that being said, you now have one of the best offenses in the NFL having a workhorse back for the next couple of weeks. So if you invested and held A.J. Dillon for a time like this, and we already said that I think the last couple of weeks that he was flex startable on his own when Aaron Jones was in there, you already saw what he might be able to do as the workhorse, workhorse back yesterday at, that you alluded to. Two touchdowns at 128 total yards, including a uh, goal line rush where he just absolutely trucked Bobby Wagner for three yards into the end zone and where he took a a small swing pass from the outside for 50 yards. I think he's potentially very explosive, and if you're needing a couple of wins and you were lucky enough to have him on your roster, I think he could be at least a top five, if not top two back over the next couple of weeks. All right, so biggest trends from the weekend. Other things to consider. Is Kansas City now back?
1: They had a very good week of football. Um, They've shown that they have grown. I think Patrick Mahomes has shown that he will now take what the defense will give him. Um, I think he got away with a lot of passes, but I don't know if I'm ready to go up there and say that they're back to being what they used to be. But they had a very good week. I think they're better. I got to see another week to stand up on the soapbox and yell they're back.
0: Noted. I don't know. I there were a lot of passes in that, that we already mentioned that were interceptable and one or two of those gets picked off. I think it's a much different game, but you are correct that they did a lot of wide receiver screens. They did a lot of short underneath routes. Travis Kelsey was effective. Uh, They got a lot of points after the catch or excuse me, yards after the catch. So they took a lot of the short and intermediate routes to great effect yesterday. And I thought it did eventually allow them to take deeper shots strategically through the course of the game. I don't know if I would say they're completely back, but you obviously like this as a big sign and they now have to be the absolute favorite. They're leading the division at this point, but the Broncos, the Raiders and the Chargers all look like they've lost whatever momentum they had to start the season. And the Chiefs look like they're returning to who they were.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The Chargers, remember the first month of the season, we were talking about the Chargers, or at least I was, that they were a for sure playoff team and that they'd be fighting for that number one seed. And since that blowout before the bye, they have not been the same team. The Raiders, I think they're coming back to where I thought they would be. But if any of those teams really surprised me, I think it's the Chargers.
0: I would agree. So another question I would have, is Baker Mayfield worth a long term extension after the Browns get absolutely embarrassed yet again this season?
1: Nah, absolutely not. You can get the same amount out of Baker Mayfield from any really other quarterback that you could probably get in free agency right now. The ups and downs you're seeing the Taylor Henneke's of the world do pretty well, and you're paying a fraction of the price, but. Baker Mayfield is what Baker Mayfield is. Uh, He's been in the league and he's had enough reps in the league to know that this is about as good as it's going to get. And I think he's had plenty of opportunities and plenty of leash in Cleveland as well. He's just not living up to what he's supposed to be. So if I'm Cleveland, I'm, I'm going back on that quarterback search that they love so much.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have a talented team and this would be a perfect landing spot for somebody say like, Aaron Rodgers for next season to come in and be able to produce, although uh, their pass catchers aren't nearly as good, but you have one of the best offensive lines in football. You have a great running game and your defense, you have at least several talented defensive stars. I wouldn't say this is a cohesive defense per se, but you really don't have the quarterback who's going to be able to win you a game when you need him to make a couple of big plays right now. And Baker Mayfield just has never been that to me. I was shocked on draft night when they took him number one. I thought for sure Sam Darnold or Josh Allen or one of those would end up being the guy that ended up being picked number one. And to see him taken at number one, I just never really thought much of him as a quarterback. I know he won the Heisman Trophy, but I was never really that impressed with him. And he's just never struck me as a guy who's capable of, of sitting in the pocket, taking on some pressure and delivering the football. I think that's the number one thing when I'm looking at whether a guy can hold up in the NFL is happy feet. So many of these guys are fine in college when they don't have much rush coming at them and that they can get away the ball quickly in rhythm with these offenses that tell them exactly where to throw the football. It's when everything starts to break down. What do you do? The guys that can improvise or know how to get rid of the football quickly, or can stand in and take a hit. I think those are the guys worth investing in. And Baker Mayfield has never struck me as that guy. I know they picked up his fifth year option, so he will be with them through next season and they're going to get more looks. So I guess this is going to be a recurring question, but the fact that we're leading off like NFL live and good morning football and all of these other shows today with should the Browns start Case Keenum over Baker Mayfield should tell you all you need to know about this discussion. So then the other question I have coming out of this weekend, who's going to win the AFC East, the bills and the Patriots, both won big the Patriots over the aforementioned Browns, the bills over the jets. And we should have expected that the bills would come back and have a good game after losing against Jacksonville, but they're now tied at six and four a piece. And they have to play twice yet in a weird scheduling that I I don't think I've ever seen. The Patriots play the Bills, then have their bye, then play the Bills again in December.
1: Yeah, that's weird. I've never seen that before either. But, I mean, for me, and it's so weird to say this, especially after how soon and how quickly they, they got this thing back around. But I think the Patriots, Mac Jones looked amazing this past weekend. I watched more of that Patriots game than any Patriots game I've probably watched in the last 10 years. And he looked really, really good. Super poised, made some big, tough plays, and they respond really well to him. I think he's the type of quarterback that the Patriots love to have. So um, for me, I see the Patriots coming out of there. Run game looks good. Defense is always stout. You got a good young quarterback. I think they're ready to do it.
0: I don't even think Patriots super fans right now think they're going to beat the Bills twice. But if they split those, I don't think either of them has a terribly tough schedule remaining, other than the fact that I think the Bills still have to play the Buccaneers. So either of those games, or most of those games, are probably winnable for both of them. And I could see very easily either one of them winning the division. And whoever ends up as a wild card is going to be a really tough game for whomever is going to play them at home. like great. Your reward for winning the tough AFC North is to host the Patriots weekend one. Wow. That's going to (laughs) suck. All right. So since this is uh, the first week after the mid season, I thought instead of doing our weekly top tens, I'm going to do a mid season top 10 and give you even the defenses that have finished up to this point. So this is the full season so far of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and defenses as they stand total season points. So number one quarterback in fantasy right now after his 43-point performance last night. And again, this is based on our league scoring, not any standard scoring, because our league scoring is set up better than anything else you're working with. Pat Mahomes at number one, Tom Brady two, Lamar Jackson three, Josh Allen four, Matthew Stafford, five, Jalen Hurts, six, Justin Herbert, seven, Kirk Cousins, eight, Kyler Murray, nine, and Joe Burrow, 10. Any of these jump out to you?
1: No, I don't think so. I, I think we even had a conversation that we think Jalen Hurts could be a top five fantasy quarterback. So nothing, none of this is crazy to me.
0: No, I think before the year we had Stafford leaking into the back end of the top 10 to see him at number five, I don't think is all that shocking. The one that sticks out to me is Kirk Cousins, because he's been a career like 11th, 12th, 13th quarterback, basically a guy that is good enough in a 12-team league, but not necessarily in a 10-team league. And despite the Vikings' struggles at times and the fact that he's put up some dud games, he's actually been a decent quarterback more often than he has not been, including yesterday against the Chargers. For running back, the number one overall running back in fantasy right now, Jonathan Taylor, who just tied for the rushing lead this season with Derrick Henry? That with, or excuse me, that's with Derrick Henry being out the last two weeks. So think about how crazy that is. Derrick Henry is number two, Austin Eckler, three, Najee Harris, four, Joe Mixon five, Ezekiel Elliott, six, Alvin Kamara, seven, Aaron Jones, eight, Cordero Patterson, nine, and James Conner, 10. Any of these jump out to you.
1: I think there's two obvious ones, the last two at 9 and 10, but um, they've been consistent all year long. Well, James Conner has been a little um, touchdown dependent, but they've been Cordell's been pretty consistent all year long. So those are the two for me that jump out.
0: Yeah, I think Patterson, and he'll jump out again on the next list too because he also is in the top 10 of receivers for the year right now. But I, I guess Taylor cementing himself as the number one back I think is a little bit surprising, but given the way he finished last season, not terribly. So the fact that no Delvin is on this list, despite him having a lot of good games, James Connor being on this list, despite the fact that he's been mostly the goal back so far. So he's really making up for it with touchdowns so far this season. I think most of those are the things that jump out to me. Wide receiver, the number one overall for the season so far, Cooper Cup, number two, Tyreek Hill, three, Jamar Chase, four, Debo Samuel, five, Hollywood Brown, six, Devontae Adams, seven, Mike Evans, eight, CD Lamb, nine, Cordero Patterson again, and ten, Michael Pittman Jr. Any of these stand out to you?
1: I think Cooper Cup being the number one and clear cut number one is oh, pretty yeah. surprising. I don't think any of guys would have had that. Jamar th- Chase, Debo, um, Hollywood Brown. Cordell Patterson. I think this is, this is a big one. I think there's a lot of, at the beginning of the year, if you would have told me if some of these guys were in there, I, I would have said I would have had somebody what you're smoking. That would have been real nice. But yeah, I mean, wide receiver position is super, super deep. I think most
0: people would have had C.D. Lamb probably in the top 10 to begin the year. I think he was a very trendy sleeper pick, I guess, for kind of those mid-tier rounds to make the jump from year one to year two. But I don't think anybody had Debo Samuel coming out and being such a force early on or Hollywood Brown making the transition with the Ravens having to throw the ball a lot more often so far this season. You said it, Cooper Cup, by far and away the best wide receiver in football so far this year. I think he's averaging at least two more points a game uh, compared to Tyreek Hill. And I think four more points a game uh, compared to Jamar Chase, the two guys directly behind him. So you can imagine what he is compared to any other average wide receiver so far this season. Patterson being in there only because he's been, He can also be pigeonholed as a wide receiver. He fits in both categories, but he's been amazing. And really the only Falcons um, player other than maybe Kyle Pitts, just because he plays at the tight end position. That has been worth having on your team so far this year, even though the Falcons have at times actually done well on offense. Tight end so far this season, no surprise here. Travis Kelsey, number one. Then we have a slight drop off to Mark Andrews at two. And then a large drop-off behind that. Hunter Henry is number three right now. He has scored, I want to say, six or seven touchdowns in the last six games. I mean, it's ridiculous that he scores a touchdown just about every week. He has almost no value except getting in the end zone. He is literally a guy who falls in the end zone week after week after week. Kyle Pitts at number four. Mike Gasecki five. Darren Waller, six. TJ Hawkinson, seven. Dalton Schultz, eight. Dawson Knox, 9, and Noah Fant, 10. Any of these really stick out to you?
1: Not really, honestly. I mean, we know what Kaseki is. Maybe that one's a little surprising, but he's going to have great weeks and he's going to have some terrible weeks. Seeing Darren Waller as low as he is, that's a little surprising, but other than that, I don't really think it's too much. Uh, you said it yourself with Hunter Henry.
0: Waller and Hawkinson being as low as they are, I think those are a little bit surprising to me. Uh, particularly Waller, because we've seen him do that before. As far as the rest of it, I I guess seeing Hunter Henry as the third best tight end right now is surprising, if so only that we predicted, I think including on this show, that we thought, and I can't remember the other tight end's name that they signed from Tennessee, but would be the superior tight end on that New England offense. And to see Hunter Henry, a guy I cut in or before our league draft, be the third best tight end this year in a year where I could have really used him as my backup with George Kittle being out for five, six weeks. It really does smart me a little bit that uh, he ended up being out and available for multiple weeks and I didn't end up picking him up or possessing him because he's been excellent the last several weeks for the Patriots who have a good, clear uh, passing offense right now, as you said before, with Mac Jones. Finally, we get to defense So the number one defense on the year by a good margin, the Buffalo Bills, Carolina, number two, New England, three, Arizona, four, Denver, five, Green Bay, six, Dallas, seven, New Orleans, eight, Indianapolis, nine, and the Philadelphia defense, 10. Any of these stick out to you?
1: I think kind of, and I own this defense and I was looking at it yesterday. um, Before, Everything, all the numbers reset for this past week. Denver was the number three defense. I own him. That shocked me even. So I think it's a little shocking that Denver is in the top. With the the age that the defense is, Von Miller is gone, and they kind of really haven't lost a step too much. So I think that one's a little surprising. But other than that, the Green Bay one, super surprising. I guess I can go on record right now and say I was really wrong about the Joe Barry hiring. Um, And I've never been more happy to be wrong about something, but those are two that jump out to me right away.
0: Yeah, I would say I agree. The other one that's really surprising to me is the Carolina defense being so high. I know they had a lot of big early weeks on in the season, but it just goes to show you yet again. And this is what I've always said, especially with the way our league points are set up, always go after teams that can pressure the quarterback and Carolina in a way that not a lot of other defenses can right now can really get after your quarterback. I don't know if that has now changed with Brian Burns. I was he out yesterday or what exactly was his status? Because I, I remember there being some story going on with Mac Jones from the week before, but I can't remember exactly what it was.
1: Yeah, way, I don't yeah, I don't remember either.
0: Either way, they've been able to really get after quarterbacks so far and create some turnovers even though the team overall has not been great. And it's been mostly because of their offense that they've really been hampered so far, or at least I want to say the last eight weeks or so. So that one would be the biggest surprise to me out of that list. All right, let's get to our good, the bad, and the ugly for the week. I'm going to go with my good to start off. Kansas City, we have criticized them. We put the last nail in their coffin last week when they were – pretty pitiful against a Green Bay defense that I didn't think necessarily was spectacular although given that they just shut out the Seahawks maybe you could give them a little bit more credit but you got to give credit where, where credits do I think this is more about we've been really hard on the Chiefs and they put up 40 plus on this uh, Raiders defense that it isn't really that bad but 408 passing yards and five touchdowns for Mahomes for me they're my good this week what is your good sir?
1: The Titans, the Titans keep rolling. It's not pretty, it's not sexy, it's not even fun to watch sometimes, but they put up W's, so the Titans are my good.
0: Yeah, given the team that they played this weekend, you could say that they were eating W's. (laughs) I know, pretty bad. Anyway, uh, my bad of the week. The L.A. Chargers, for a team that had such promise early on in the year that had beaten Dallas at home or no, excuse me. Did they, yeah, they lost to Dallas. Excuse me. They lost by three, but they beat the chiefs on the road in what was supposed to be a turning point in their franchise, or at least this era of their franchise. And they had some major wins or piled up. They beat the Browns in that really compelling game earlier on the season. They have fallen on some really hard times. I know they won against the Eagles last week, but They've made some really tough games out of most of what they've been doing. And to lose at home to the Vikings, who had a penchant for figuring out how to lose games. Boy, I don't know how the Chargers are going to compete for the playoffs yet, even though the AFC, especially in its depth, seems kind of weak to me right now. Who is your bad of the week? My
1: bad is the Ravens. They just got absolutely handled by the Miami Dolphins. So the question really is, like, who is this team? Uh, We know they're dealing with all the injuries, but from week to week, we don't really know who the Ravens are. So they're my bad this week.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think they looked ill-prepared, and they completely got out physical by a Dolphins team that had just come off of uh, beating the Texans by also turning the ball over I want to say like five times in that game it's not like the Dolphins have been a world beater this year and they got their ass kicked my ugly for the week the Detroit Lions I remember growing up that yes Barry Sanders was talented because I just caught the tail end of the Barry Sanders experience and the Lions at least were good in the playoffs But since then, I think they've made the the playoffs twice. They have yet to win a playoff game since I think Brett Favre took over as quarterback of the Packers. I think the last time that they were deep in the playoffs was like 1991. They were in a championship game or something like that. And I just have to feel bad for Lions fans. I mean, really, I know they're in the division with our Packer fandom, and I've been trained to hate both the Vikings and Bears. But the Lions just are constantly pitiful, and they find new ways to disappoint you. They should have easily won yesterday's game. I know they don't have a ton of talent, but you had every circumstance set up for you. Chase Claypool was out. Juju Smith-Schuster was out. You had uh, Eric Ebron out. You had Mason fucking Rudolph in the game for you, and you still find ways to tie I mean, come on. I know it's not a loss, but it's not a win either. When are you going to, like, do something? You've had so many close opportunities this year just to come up short, and it seemingly is the case every single week. They are my ugly week after week after week. What is your ugly, sir?
1: See, I'm going on the flip side. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's 100% the way they finish that game. You have to find ways to win. That type of game, especially if you want to be a playoff team. I know you didn't have your quarterback. I know the backup was there on short and all that other stuff. But the way that game ended, you have to find a way to win
0: that game. Yeah, I can't fault you there. All right, something or nothing for the week. Let's start off with Justin Jefferson. Nine catches, 143 yards on 11 targets. Is that something or nothing?
1: You know, he's been he's had an up and down year, kind of a sophomore slump. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Things are changing. Uh, It is something because you said it yourself. You know, Kirk Cousins has been a top 10 quarterback. He's been surprisingly well, even though they've been struggling. Uh, So I'm going to go that it's something.
0: I think it's something, too. They really said during the off week that they were making it a priority to get Jefferson the ball and that he would be targeted heavily in this game. And then they just went out and did it. I mean, the Chargers defense is set up to protect the pass, and they've really had a good time of stopping the pass most of the season, not necessarily in the middle of the field. So you would have thought that they would have had troubles getting it to their wide receivers a lot in this game. And that's why a lot of fantasy experts predicted Kirk Cousins to have a bad game and both of the Vikings outside wide receivers to have bad games. And it was anything but in this game for me. I know he didn't get into the end zone and he really hasn't been targeted in the red zone nearly as much as, I guess, a big red zone target weapon, Adam Thielen. But Justin Jefferson is going to get his and it was only a matter of them getting plays designed for him to get him the ball. I like the fact that they're getting it to him a lot now and that they're really focused on getting him the ball. I would expect that this is going to continue through the rest of the season and into the playoffs, especially considering what the Vikings schedule is coming up. Something or nothing. A.J. Dillon, 128 total yards and two touchdowns.
1: Uh, Something, especially for the next two weeks with Aaron Jones being out. Short and sweet.
0: Absolutely. This is a guy who could be a bell cow back. I remember having him in college fantasy a couple of years ago. He regularly used to take 30-plus carries a game. He's a true guy that could be a bell cow, and we've already seen his passing ability – or, excuse me, pass-receiving ability in this offense – I like for him to get minimum 30 touches in the next two weeks A piece, Wayne Gallman, 15 carries, 55 yards, a reception for 21 yards and on two targets with Cordero Patterson potentially being out with a sprained ankle for the next few weeks. Is this something or nothing?
1: I think it could be something. He is kind of a poor man's Cordell Patterson. They obviously have that type of role in the offense, and he was doing pretty well in it as well. So I think it could be something. So that's three in a row for me, something.
0: I also think it's something. This is a guy that the 49ers really liked in the uh, preseason and that could have very easily made their practice squad but got signed as a backup after the Falcons kind of went through a revolving door behind Mike Davis to start the season. To me, this says more than anything, Mike Davis is done with this team. If Cordero Patterson goes out and he's not the next big option, then I don't know when he's ever going to be a factor in this offense again. And if you flash back a year, Wayne Gallman was effective for the New York Giants for several of those games. And we were talking about him being a potential playoff winner for most teams going into that stretch. So I think if he becomes the primary back for the next few weeks, He's going to be on my pickup list coming up here in a few minutes, but I think he's a a good fill-in that could end up winning you your week here the next couple if Cordero Patterson has to miss any significant time. C.D. Lamb, six catches, 94 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets, something or nothing.
1: I guess I'm going four in a row. This is something. I mean, I think you and I are pretty positive that C.D. Lamb is a better talent than Amari Cooper. I think finally the Cowboys are starting to really realize that you got to feed this guy the ball. Really explosive. Great route runner. Uh, C.D. Lamb for me is something.
0: C.D. Lamb's the more explosive. He's the better after the catch. He's uh, the quicker and just generally more explosive player. I don't know if he's the more technically sound player. So if you want to say just on talent, sure. But I like the fact that Dallas made a concerted effort to get him the ball early and often in this game. And yes, they were up big early, and so they really didn't need to go to him. But you could say that in some ways, this was CD Lamb's final breakout game because we've been waiting on him to have what we thought would be his big year already this year. And to see because of this game that he was put inside the top 10 for the total year so far. I think is a good sign, especially with Dallas looking to come back from their really tr- or pitiful uh, showing against the Denver Broncos the week before. I do think this is something because I think this is the sign of more things to come for that Dallas offense. Stephon Diggs, eight receptions, 162 yards, a touchdown on 13 targets. Is he back?
1: Man, you got to hope so. I mean, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you need this guy. He was really had his breakout last year, and by breakout, I mean like we know he's a bona fide star.
0: This has to be something. This isn't
1: really like, is it something or nothing? For the Buffalo Bills to be successful, this has to be something.
0: Well, you've probably kept him in your lineups all season because he was wide receiver three on the year last year, and this looked like the Buffalo Bills from last season. Yeah, it came against the Jets, but at least you saw it. I would like to say it's something just from the standpoint that we look like we're getting the old bills and the old chiefs back. And so I agree. I think this is something Antonio Gibson, 24 carries 62 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions, 14 yards and two are on two targets. Is this something or nothing?
1: Antonio Gibson, hopefully he's healthy. You know, you got to hope that he's getting healthy. If he's healthy, this is most definitely something.
0: It is what it was, that amount to 78 total yards on the Buccaneers defense and 26 total touches. I don't think they're giving him 26 total touches if he's not healthy enough to take 26 total touches against the elite running defense in the NFL. I actually think this is something and that if he is that healthy now coming out of their bye week, I would expect that Washington is going to give him the football a lot down the stretch here, and he could actually salvage something for his fantasy season, despite how poor he's been up to this point. Devontae Smith, four catches, 66 yards, two touchdowns on six targets. Something or nothing. You
1: know, I'm I'm kind of pumping the brakes on this one. He had one really big grab and he had two touchdowns. Other than that, I mean, it was kind of a little bit of a mundane day. I think he's an incredible talent. I think him and Jalen Hurts have a very good relationship together. I think it's just going to take some time. So um, I would pedal the brakes on him being a perennial all-star right now, but you got to like what um, how he is progressing.
0: Well, I particularly like that he's caught touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, and this week it was two. So I think that's four total for him on the year, or maybe five, but there was a long stretch in there where we were talking about it, that he was not high in targets and he was not getting a lot of end zone looks or into the end zone per se. So you like the fact that this is trending upward, but I still think it's probably nothing because this is kind of a weird fluky game where their defense ended up controlling most of it. And they really established more of a running game than they ever did in the passing game. I think the Eagles, correlation with their winning ways of the last few weeks has been since they really heavily leaned into running the football more so that usually means less targets for their number one wide receiver and while you do like the efficiency level I just don't like the volume Daryl Williams 11 carries for 43 yards but nine catches 101 yards a touchdown on nine targets something or nothing
1: I do think it's something. I think he is kind of going to make CEH go away. This is exactly the type of running back that Kansas City wants in their offense. They're not most. They're not necessarily looking for somebody that's going to take the ball for 15 to 20 yards on carries and get 100 and squeak it out that way. That's not the type of offense that they have. Uh, so this is something. He most definitely is making a name for himself in that offense.
0: I'm going to be very curious to see, because I think CEH was very close to return this week that once he comes back, what is this offense going to be? Because I still do believe in the talent that CEH had coming into the draft, and I think he could be this player. We just haven't seen it, and we haven't seen the Chiefs make a concerted effort to try and uh, get him in these situations. So if that's going to continue to be the case and they're not going to utilize him, I don't know what they're doing, but at least we've seen – Darrell Williams is a good goal line back. He's a good receiving back, and he can at least take the ball well between the tackles. If he was the full-time Kansas City running back, I think he's at worst in running back too, and the situation really has to be, is he going to be the number one guy even when CEH comes back? If they end up splitting the touches, that's where we're going to have problems fantasy-wise. I think it's probably better for the Chiefs, but overall, you don't like that. Uh, they'd be splitting volume or uh, over uh, what's already a limited pie. Finally, we have Ramondre Stevenson, 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 14 yards on five targets. Something or nothing.
1: I think it's something. He's healthy. It's exactly the type of offense that the New England Patriots want to run. Uh, it's something most definitely. And I think if you have him on your fantasy team if you got him this past, week off of waivers you got to be pretty happy
0: about it in a redraft setting this might be something because you might have the ability to go pick him up and i do think he's valuable but i also think that the patriots love damian harris and if he's healthy enough to play or had played last week uh instead of Ramondre stevenson because i mean they were both dealing with concussions coming out of last week's game i think this is a completely different story i still think that they're going to give a lot of the goal line carries and the primary carries between the tackles to Damian Harris, because they just like what he does. But Stevenson offers that James White and Damian Harris or Sony Michelle combined into one package. To me, he's a better version of what they used to run with Rex Burkhead. And if you can get that, I don't know if it's going to be fantasy relevant right away, but this is a guy who's super talented. And we've already seen him flash at multiple occasions, including all of the preseason that made him a preseason favorite. I just wonder how much work and or volume he's going to see when Damian Harris is available.
1: You know, For me, I kind of disagree with that, because at least for my eyes, like if I'm the Patriots, I would be really happy with having Stevenson handle all the carries. He looked very tough down there at the goal line. He's obviously a solid back. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, you watch more Patriots games than I do, I'm sure. But uh, for me, I would be like, feel very comfortable with him being the lead back until the wheels fall off.
0: Like, if they wanted to use these two guys in the way that the Rams used Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle, I could buy that. Because they seem to be very similar in their skill sets In if you were to distribute the carries that way. The problem I have is that I just don't think the Patriots would necessarily agree. They really like Damian Harris, and he's going to be their lead running back. But they obviously need somebody who's good in third down protection and will be their receiving back as well. Stevenson could fill that role. I just don't necessarily see the Patriots going away from Damian Harris, given the fact that they they run him more than any other back, I think, in the NFL. I think he has almost more carries than anybody else except for maybe Derrick Henry. All right, top pickups for the week for me. These are guys that are under 50% owned, but should be. Darnell Mooney, again, with Justin Fields kind of making a statement on that Monday night football game before this week, Darnell Mooney is clearly his number one favorite target. If they're going to end up throwing the ball more, the more comfortable that Justin Fields looks, I would say that uh, this ends up being uh, the top target in a Chicago offense that's getting better. Pick him up and see what you have. Ramondre Stevenson, again, if Damian Harris misses any time or he continues to be out because concussions can be weird, fickle injuries, we don't know how they will progress for some guys. If he continues to be the lead back, we have already seen that the Patriots could score and that they like to do certain things with their uh, running backs. So I would definitely say that he's worth the pickup. Tyler Conklin, yes, he only got into the end zone two times and I think three targets for like 11 total yards in this game. But this is a guy that's been receiving a lot of targets lately in the middle of the field. I think he's produced at least 10 uh, fantasy points in three out of the last four games. I think he's worth a flyer at a very weak tight end position. Justin Fields, again, we already saw what his rushing value could be earlier this season when he ran for over 100 yards against the 49ers. He looked better against the Steelers last week. He is showing signs of improvement, and if they have more designed runs, that keeps his floor relatively high. If he continues to improve as a passer, I think the sky's the limit for a guy that's clearly uh, a very talented player. Dan Arnold, another guy that's receiving a ton of targets for Jacksonville offense that hasn't been great, but if you can find some fantasy value, this guy's actually receiving a decent amount of volume, and while he hasn't really found the end zone a ton, This is an offense that is giving him the ball and likes what he do, what he does. So you could have worse fill-ins going forward. Sony Michelle, this one's more of a speculative ad just based on the history of the Rams the last few weeks, basically that uh, Darrell Henderson has not been the ball carrier for a huge bulk of the carries. It's been more of the uh, situation that Michelle will come in and spell him and take about maybe 40% of the touches the last few weeks. So I would actually anticipate that he's a valuable backup, particularly given that we still love this offense and uh, he's owned in less than 50% of leagues. I think he's worth the pickup. Deontay Foreman, who says guys can't come back from Achilles injuries. This is an odd one to me, but he looked like the most effective back and I think led the Titans in Uh, carries yesterday against the second-ranked rushing defense of the New Orleans Saints that I've raved about on this program before. He looks explosive and really looks better than both Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols to be the guy that kind of is the uh, backup to Derrick Henry, at least for the time being. And I would expect him to continue to do so. If you're looking for a replacement for Derrick Henry, I think this guy is still available to a lot of people. I would go pick him up. Finally, Wayne Gallman that we talked about before, I would expect that he ends up being the fill-in for Cordero Patterson moving forward. And that really means that one of the top names on this next list of top drop candidates will be Mike Davis. So top drop candidates, over 50% owned in Yahoo leagues, but shouldn't be. Jeremy McNichols has produced, I think a combined five points in two games when we thought he could be the true backup to Derrick Henry. I don't think that's going to be the case. Alex Collins, with Chris Carson potentially on his way back, he's going to see very minimal value, and that Seattle offense just looks pitiful right now. They can't run the football. They can't throw the football. They can't do a whole lot of anything right now, and so while this guy has produced at least a few points here and there, his overall value when this offense isn't scoring touchdowns is minimal. Kenny Galladay, again, he's been on this list before. I don't need to make too many bones about it, but... He's just not available and he's not in a great offense. He was a has been with uh, Matthew Stafford throwing in the football. Now he is a desperately needing to be again. And I just don't anticipate him having much going forward. Matt Ryan, a guy who is so up and down that you cannot predict which weeks he is going to play well. And Ethan here knows all about. That.
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks, asshole. You're uh, less than two points this week. Less than two points this week. Yep. Um, I am now 0 for 2 picking quarterbacks in the wake of Kyler's absence. So, yeah, it's going great.
0: Yeah, how is that uh, only keeping one quarterback? Less than the 10 points. You?
1: Less than 10 points last two weeks. So, yeah, maybe it's time to find another
0: quarterback. Adrian Peterson also makes the list, and this is based on, I thought Foreman was the best back of the three moving forward. There really isn't room to carry a lot of these guys. And Peterson is a touchdown-dependent. Uh, flex play at this point. I just don't see much room for him on any of my teams when there are better options out there. Mike Davis, we've already talked about him a bunch. I would expect him to be dropped by most people uh, expecting that uh, Wayne Goldman would be the primary back moving forward. He is droppable. And finally, Julio Jones that got placed on IR. That's basically going to take him out for the rest of the fantasy season. Uh, I just, with the degenerative, injuries that he seemingly has been having and that he just has not been on the field. This is not a guy that I want to invest highly in, in order to carry on my roster for the rest of the season. He's not been good nor explosive. And this offense really only has room for one number one guy. I just don't see him returning to any great effect. Uh, Even if you were to cut him, I'm not worried about him producing on another team. He is a cut for me. All right. Any last thoughts for the week?
1: No, no. Um, Marquette just took down number 10, Illinois, but other than that, no, nothing.
0: Yeah, I'm not that shocked. I mean, Illinois is kind of a paper tiger, if you ask me, given how they left the tournament last year, but that's a different podcast for a different time. (laughs) So thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again later this week, but until then.
1: Until then, have a good week, everyone. Have some better luck on the waiver wire than I've been having lately.
0: I think we could all appreciate that. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivity FM.